And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. All right, you're back in the DFSR. Here with an NFL podcast. It's Tuesday, September 11th. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. We are from dailyfantasysportsrankings.com, dfsr.com, slash NFL. We'll get you started on a free trial to our projection system. Fantastic week one, uh, which we're going to get into and just talk about some of the things that happened here in a recap episode. Look ahead to week two, dfsr.com, slash NFL. We'll get you a free trial. It's optimal lineups from FanDuel and DraftKings. Includes premium uh, articles as well. Uh, members only chat where we're in there answering questions basically 24-7, but specifically leading up to lineup blocks uh, around NFL and M- MLB, NBA when the time comes. It's all covered on the one subscription package. We think it's about the best deal you're going to get in the business. DFSR.com slash NFL. Buddy, I'm riding high. It was a very good week one. Um, I feel, I just feel great. I was feeling giddy all day Sunday because football, uh-huh. it's, so, it's so high leverage and it's so, <laughs> you can just run so great and so bad. And we talked about it last year. I felt Going into coming out of last year, you know, we always try to look back at our system, and, and we're going to talk a lot about projections today, and try to you know figure out where it is we change things and where it is we stand pat on different pieces of information. But I did feel like last year, if I was to, you know, we made some mistakes, and I also felt like we just ran horrible on touchdowns, and I know that's like something to say for the entire season. And I felt like week one cured a lot of my anxiety around touchdowns because I felt like every guy we rostered scored. So <laughs> I don't know if I'm just feeling. Uh, I don't yeah, know if I'm well, feeling think, bullish. You know, or... If you zoom out, zoom, zoom out for a second, right? Because think about this baseball season, and you know, overall for the season, the system has done well. Each baseball season has t- literally ten football seasons worth of games in it, right? So, you can you run bad for two weeks in baseball? Of course you can. You'd be insane to suggest that you can't. And the way you run bad in baseball tends to be home runs and you know bad pitcher performances by actual good pitchers like those tend to be the two things that matter the most and especially when the home runs your guys don't hit them but more importantly when there's a guy who's chalk that you don't have who hits a home run you just kind of lose football has that equivalent 100 percent. i mean you know like for instance on Fanduel, we didn't have chris hogan chris hogan happened to be really bad so that helps all of our lineups but if chris hogan had scored 35 points or whatever the way michael thomas did all of a sudden it would have been almost impossible to win. You know? right. So that kind of thing can really get you from week to week. I think if you zoom out on our track record over the last five years as a company that we've been doing NFL, you'll see a very, very nice picture. Um, but yeah, that's, so I don't, I don't think it's absurd to look back and be like, one of the things that went wrong was that touchdowns didn't happen to go our way. Like that's, yeah. That can absolutely happen for a season. By the way, speaking of baseball, real quick, dailyoverlay.com, the site that tracks uh, all the big sites' uh, picks over the course of the year. We came in number one for pitchers this year. In their, I don't know their methodology, but considering we came in number one, I'm sure their methodology is tried. Yeah, it sounds like we're probably and, really good. And absolutely perfect. <laughs> we came in second for hitters. Okay, I want to talk. Uh, I wrote second a reaction. for hitters? That's pretty good. I didn't yeah, over the course of the season. So I think that's like two years huh. in a row where we finished right around that uh, that spot. Okay, um, I want to talk and do a reaction, reactionary piece on week one, we're not going to recap all of week mm. one. We're assuming if you're here and listening, you watch the games um, or, you know, you at least caught up with all the things that happened. I think what we want to focus on here is taking information from week one and deciding what kind of stuff we change. You know, when I say change, I'm saying what we 
change in our system. And we're going to mostly talk about opportunity here. And then things that we take away and say, eh, you know what? I, I'm not going to make that much of it because it's week, It's only one week. And we learn some things from one week and some things if you over, completely overreact to, uh, you can kind of get yourself in trouble. I want to start here on Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. And this is the one that kind of spurred me writing. Well, this and the Andrew Luck, which we'll get to in a second. But this kind of spurred me writing this article on Sunday night because people were just going absolutely bananas for Pat, uh, Pat Mahomes. He's the next coming. He was amazing. Look at this. I mean, listen to podcasts. You think the guy's like the, some combination of like Brett Favre and like Randall Cunningham or something like that. Like it's just people are going completely bananas for him. And yes, he had a good game. I have a very strong opinion about this. When you look at Pat Mahomes' game, Patrick Mahomes' game, Tyreek Hill's game, how much do you want to be bullish on this performance? Uh, bearish, kind of in the middle, like it didn't do anything for you because he was. I mean, they clearly were guys that you know help win you GPPs. And I'm not sure how much I'm changing, if if anything. Yeah, I don't think I would change too much. I mean, so when spoiler alert, one of my points that I was going to get to today is looking at receivers in new situations this year and trying yep. to figure out what we can make of those because very often that is a change that we do have to make. Like we don't want to be overreactionary to like you know like who's a good known commodity guy who just like did something. Let me just pull someone up here. So like, you know, Randall Cobb or something, right? Like Randall Cobb is in the exact same situation. Maybe he's healthy. Maybe there's some freed up opportunity, but like ultimately it's same QB, same scheme. He's had basically the same role in the offense. But for guys like Tyreek Hill, we are going to want to probably look more closely at their week one performances. Now my take, I, I stopped myself from reading your article because I didn't want to, you know, make it, I don't know, forest or artificial or something like that. But my take on the Holmes Hill situation, because this was queued up on my end as well, is that. A, it's really hard sometimes to judge a quarterback performance when they just get four touchdowns like this because frequently that keeps them off the field. Um, it kind of makes the team play weird when they're just putting up touchdowns that quickly and that easily. So, like for instance, I, th- I think he'll get more attempts in the future. I do think that Hill's 7-for-8 performance when put up against Mahomes' 15-for-27 performance yep. leads me to believe that one of those two is not right and I tend to believe that we won't see such efficient games from Tyreek Hill going forward uh, because it's it's very strange because presumably a lot of the the hardest throws he's going to make are going to be to Hill so if he has difficulty on the short throws I I have a difficult time believing that he's going to be able to sustain a 87% completion rate to Tyreek Hill over the course of the season well Mahomes jumps to the now like in the top 10 most expensive quarterbacks uh after week one on family and ridiculous and it is and I'm just hoping people play him. So this game, this game should have and could have looked so much worse from a statistical angle for Mahomes. And he, the touchdowns get him there. He was incredibly inefficient, 55% completion percentage. Um, yep. And the four, three of the four touchdowns. And again, this is sometimes sometimes watching a game can um, help you. Sometimes watching a game can hurt you. Here's where watching the game, I think, helps make a decision about how bullish we can be on Mahomes. The first touchdown to Hill was a slant pass where Hill did everything, right? Like, he he ran the 60 yards. That ball was meant to just be a possession. So, it, it's going to happen yeah. with a guy like Hill. So, don't get me wrong. Like, he can do it. Uh, he's about as fast as anyone in the league. The next two touch or two of the three next touchdowns were shovel passes at the five. So, they're basically run-pass option kind of plays. And he just right. happened to throw the ball and, you know, dip the ball in front of him rather than hand it off and that those end up becoming passing touchdowns like those aren't passing touchdowns those were runs and so I get they get scored like that and that's the scheme they're going to run but easily if the ball if he just hands the ball off rather than just flick it out of his hand going forward those he has now 55% two touchdowns and people are 
not going nearly as crazy for like his how great he was like and even like you listen to like some of the bigger podcasts like they're so good I just don't I, I am nothing about my projection for Mahomes is is changing I am actually if anything I'm very concerned about how inefficient he was in a game where he really wasn't under tons of pressure the whole time I don't know I, I I'm, I'm hoping people play him in cash that would be insane to me if they did I get they have a decent matchup against Pittsburgh and he does run a little bit uh the Hill piece the only reason I'm like not as bearish on Hill is because I do think that is going to continue to be their plan, and I agree with you that there's just simply no way he can be as efficient. One of his touchdowns was on a punt return as well. That's going to happen every once in a while, and just not be you know not be something that you can really bank on week to week. So this is a, this is the thing I think people are going to go nuts in terms of ownership on these sure. two guys, and I would almost guarantee that I do not play. I'm not going to change anything about the projections at all. I think we were right on with like where we were in terms of opportunity. And if anything, I'm I'm a little concerned about Mahomes. Anyway, so sounds like we sort of agree there. Now, well, I got I, one, I got one more note on Hill too. Yeah. The eight targets isn't going to look like a lot compared to a lot of the other guys that you saw this week. I mean, we saw so many guys get double digit targets. It was actually yes. I think you said bef- to me before the podcast started. Uh, yeah, we got 24 guys who with double digit targets in week one here. And that's just simply through the roof. Uh, last, last year, week year, one, it was something like 15 guys at double digit. I, yeah, I, I, I did the math last night, crazy. and I don't have it in front of me. But it was something. It was a big time number more this year than last year. Right. So when you look at Hill tied for 33rd in targets, you might not be too excited. But again, I think the attempts will come up um, if they don't break off as many big plays. So I think you'll see Hill settle in, you know, in that top 20 group. So I don't know. I, I don't. Hill's a mixed bag for me. I think he'll be overrun for big tournaments. As well, I don't think he's probably cash game viable, and I agree that Mahomes is an absurd cash game play until we see more consistency out of the completion percentage. Uh, one more quarterback, and then I'll get your opinion. You know, if you want to have any quarterbacks that stood out to you, another guy I wrote about was Andrew Luck. Luck was a guy our system very uh, bullish on going to this game in the season, and with concerns obviously about the shoulder, he threw a lot of passes. He was very accurate, completed like seventy-five percent of his passes. And I looked at NFL's next gen stats about you know how far he was throwing. He had the second lowest attempted air yards of any quarterback in week one. The lowest was Alex Smith, which is pretty predictable. That guy's like on lock, doesn't throw the ball right. more than 10 yards every single year. So like that would have been the, e- the easy bet to for him to be the worst. The fact that Luck did not throw over the top at all, deep at, really at all, the entire game, the one long touchdown to Ebron gets there, everything else was under. I have pretty significant concerns about what that could mean for his shoulder. Now, Chris Dorello, our other NFL writer, seemed to disagree with me. He thought that the Bengals like just covered over the top so much that he didn't that he wasn't able to throw deep. I'm not. I can't X's and O's enough to to understand that. So I'm not going to pretend to. He did disagree. I, I do want to throw out there. He did disagree with me, and he made what I believe to be a, a decent case. How concerned are you though, knowing he was not throwing the ball downfield just by the st- the stats say he was not throwing the ball downfield really at all, and he, there was talk about him having just lost some velocity on on his throws because of the shoulder. And again, we're just a year out of a year having played with a throwing shoulder. Are you concerned? Is that a stat that concerns you, or am I like, am I just reading tea leaves on this too much? Well, it certainly concerns me for T.Y. Hilton um, because you know that's where Hilton's going to make most of his bank is those downfield throws. And if Luck isn't going to make them, then we'll see Hilton's value go down. I think as far as Luck goes, like, I mean, he completed the thirty-nine of fifty-three balls, right? So it's not oh, yeah. like he he was able to pass. You don't need to throw the ball super far to be an efficient passer, and their general lack of a run game with like kind of the injury situation there, I think leads me to believe that he's probably still just a fine play, but you just don't 
want to expect those 80 yard touchdowns and you know let's face it for big tournaments you often need passes like that in order to really get there and come in first place and so yeah i think you can i think it's an interesting thing to keep an eye on i think the the very very positive thing here is that they let him throw the ball that many times because i think if they had any concern about the shoulder in terms of its health you know say whatever you will about its strength but about its health that uh that he'll still be heavily involved in the offense so i think i'm maybe between the two like i wouldn't like you I, i don't want to speculate that he'll start throwing the ball further i think we can assume i think the safest thing to assume is that he probably will at least do it less than he used to and you still might have a perfectly viable fantasy quarterback in there yep okay any other quarterbacks uh because i do want to actually spend a little more time on running backs and receivers or any other quarterback situations that stood out to you that uh, make you want to be like change anything or uh, adjust something uh, based on you know what you maybe saw in the games or based on some of the statistics i mean rogers gets hurt we're gonna have to kind of wait he came back, obviously, um, and was put on just like a crazy epic performance. As our friend Justin was just furiously texting us, these Bears are going to win the Super Bowl texts. Like, those things, those texts did not age well. So, Justin, if you're listening to those, they, this, the first half to second half tone of the texts um, from the Bears and Packers thing was uh, pretty remarkable. Any other quarterback things stand, stand, stand out to you uh, from week one? Uh, yeah, I mean, so there's some guys who I would put in the – uh, kind of comeback territory. I mean, some guys never left, but it still feels like a comeback for someone like Drew Brees, let's say. Uh, you know, we played Brees on DraftKings, and the 439 yards, three touchdowns was about all that we could ask for. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, the Saints kind of put him in a weird position the last couple of years by moving more towards the run in the red zone, but the hookup of him and Michael Thomas looks, you know, utterly legit. We also had Michael Thomas on FanDuel and DraftKings, so. Uh, that wound up working out. That's that's a spoiler alert there. And it seemed like, you know, with bringing Kamara in as the definitive number one back, they're still going to be using him a ton in the passing game. And, you know, he's basically a wide receiver one mixed with a running back one. And Yeah, I would maybe disagree. I was actually going to get it. This is one of the running back guys I want to talk about. So actually, let's just bring it up now. Kamara only carried okay. the ball eight times. Now, again, they they got game scripted weirdly here because the the Bucks just kept their foot on the gas and were just basically winning the entire game. So the New Orleans was in catch-up mode the entire time. So uh, this is Kamara is actually pretty high on my list of guys to question about. We, we went into week one being like just with his touches just being through the roof. Now, the targets were there, 12, and the goal line carries were there, so that was good too. Like, he was getting the ball down and close when they were in the red zone. Is the eight, Are the eight carries more indicative of just the pace of the game because they just were forced to play catch-up the entire time? I mean, Gillisley and Jonathan Williams did come in and carry the ball a little bit, like four, four or five times total between the two of them. Um, how concerned are you with the Camaro's volume here, or do you think that it was just the game got away from them and they just had to just keep the ball moving downfield in order to try to play catch-up? Yeah, I'm not concerned about his volume personally, simply because while Gillisley and Williams touched the ball, they did so four total times and were just terrible. Like Williams, yeah, Gillisley no fumbled. Arson. I was so happy. Like well, he, that's he, what he, I'm saying. Like, he fumbled early. Yeah, and so he had a fumble. Williams had one carry for no yards. They did absolutely nothing. I mean, the the Saints just had difficulty running the ball. I think that's also a reason why they pivoted off. But I still think you'll see. I, I, my what I took from this is that the plan is that Kamara is a, the three down back and. No one else did anything to change that plan. And that now I know as well that when the going is tough for the Saints, that he'll still probably be in line for double-digit targets out of the backfield. And that just gives him, you know, because things just go wrong for every running back at some point. That's, like, why you don't see anyone average 100 yards a game last season. Like, sometimes the game script just simply doesn't go in your favor, and then you're forced to adjust. And the fact that even when the game script couldn't have really been less in his favor, especially in the second half, 
he still was out there being a huge part of the offense. So, yeah, I, I think it's a double takeaway. Loved Breeze after week one. That's nothing new, but I uh, like Kamara too. A couple of the other guys, I, I wanted to get your feedback on because they're going to be hot topics. I mean, you're going to win a million dollars if you play Ryan Fitzpatrick in week one. Uh, he and Mike Evans was another guy on my list about, you know, just a, a surprisingly efficient game that we haven't seen from him in quite a long time. He was seven for seven. What do we make of Fitzpatrick? I mean, he threw for 417 yards in 28 passing attempts for four touchdowns. Is he a legitimate big tournament target going forward? Like a cash game play? What do you think there? I don't know. It helps to me. For me, it helps that they play the Eagles this week because the Eagles just are a good team. I mean, I guess they looked a little sketchy in week one. I don't know. Now, this is not a guy I really want to overreact to. He completed the Saints defense. You know, they were just getting completely torched on the deep ball. And I just think that is not... While it has huge upside, it is not like a repeatable thing to just you know just have Deshaun Jackson just catching just very long touchdowns, Evans catching very long touchdowns. Like I don't know why not. They're both really good long. Can you like could you make a case that most teams just aren't going to have the personnel to cover both of those guys deep, and then when it you give be. up on one, you can you know make it back on the other. I guess I, uh, I I don't disagree with you. I it's just not a guy. I just didn't see the performance as repeatable, and Fitzpatrick just has a long career of just being like not a bad quarterback. I don't know. I, 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 he's just a guy that he, to me it's just a guy. It was a, it was a huge week one. I don't want to go completely overboard with it. Maybe his pat. Maybe I get. Maybe we tick up his passing um, yards per attempt a little bit, and that's going to be the case. And I'm not going to change. I don't believe I want to change his opportunity all that much, just because. I mean, I have him down for 35 or 36 passes with a few runs. That's a pretty. That's a pretty bearish prediction for a projection for a guy like him, uh, I don't, and I think I would probably not. I'm not going to take to like you know 39 attempts or something like that. They still have some running backs here. Uh, I think we probably yeah, again. Well, I think that's fair. So just real quick though, Fitzpatrick's history, the teams that he's been on, right? Mm-hmm. He was on the Bills from 2009 to 2012, zero receivers. Then he had one stops through Tennessee, no receivers. Houston, uh, that was and that was like at the their peak of just getting sacked 50,000 times a game. Then he goes to the Jets, no receivers, and now he comes to Tampa Bay. I, t- I still think you're probably right. I think it's probably you know smoke and mirrors ultimately, simply because like we we did see six games out of him last season where he just had his almost exact career average of six point eight yards per attempt. So it's probably uh, nothing to get too too excited about. My thing but, is, it's like a lightning in the bottle game, and he's just like not bad. I, like if he's a minimum price quarterback in a good matchup, that's a guy you don't feel terrible about running. Sure. I don't think, um, and that's basically what he was last week. And so if right. you were on that, again, Chris actually that was a guy Chris did write up as a correlation play with the Saints, and I was actually kind of kicking myself for that because for all the Saints exposure we had between Thomas and Kamara to not have some correlation in GPPs going back the other way on Fitzpatrick and some of the receivers uh, struck me as. I mean, it was results-oriented, and it was a process piece where I, it was just a mistake to have done it because we were so high on the on the Saints guys. And it, there was there are situations where Tampa Bay hangs. They clearly did in this, and to not have exposure going the other way, I was kind of I was kind of kicking myself. Um, you know, one other I, I don't know if you want to, if you have any other quarterbacks you want to mention. I have a couple. I have some running back situations I want to get your opinion on, but I don't know if you have if there's any other quarterback guys that stood out to you. No, I mean, there's a number of guys that. Again, they pair up with the wide receivers that I've been looking at. Mostly these new situation guys I want to try and pin down, like Case Keenum in Denver. Yes. Um, you know, he was super, super good. I love it. I, that, that was guy, Sanders areas. was a guy that I wanted to and talk about was here. Sanders was the other main guy on my thing, too. So we can jump into that now. I mean, my general take is Sanders, people forget now because it's been so long that he's had a, a reasonable quarterback situation. But he was like the hyper efficient possession guy who could also break off long passes and you know was too cheap in week one wound up having really good ownership 
uh, in both cash games and GPPs. And now he's got, and like, I was concerned about Keenum going into week one. I, I'm just not sure. You know, I get a little gun shy on these young QBs with a short track record. We've just been bitten by them so many times. But 64% completion rate, 329 yards, three touchdowns. He did have the three picks, but that probably should come down. Uh, with a completion rate this high. Thoughts on Keenum and Sanders? You're into it? Yeah, oh, I, I, I like Sanders going into week one in general. Like, I had him in tournaments. He was a guy actually very... He was, but If you played the 4 p.m. slates for us, he was a guy just in cash games um, because mm. of his price on DraftKings. Uh, the reason I like Sanders going into the year was the thing that exactly played out. Uh, Keenum threw a ton to the slot last year, and they moved Sanders into the slot basically the entire game. Like, he was an outside wide receiver last year. They moved him into the slot for, like, 75% of the snaps that he ran. I believe that's the number. It's something like that. It was very, very high, much higher than what he did last year, which is something around 40%. I read this stat yesterday, and I just didn't write it down. But it was. It's, I'm, I'm, I know I'm very close on these numbers. Um, And it played out. And, and this is exactly what happened with Adam Thielen last year with with the exact situation with Keaton. He just likes to throw to guys in the slot, and it, it, it just happened, right? Like a 10 of 11, uh, incredibly efficient. And you're right, we just haven't seen even competent, competent even a word below. We haven't seen below above replacement level uh, QB play <laughs> in in Denver for years now, and they just have it now. So is Keenum a world beater? No, but is he? Good enough to get by. We saw clearly he was with the Vikings last season, uh, going to the NFC Championship game basically, and uh, like he's a, such a huge improvement over what they had last year. And Sanders and, and even Demarius Thomas. Thomas had ten targets. He's his are going to be a little more downfield oriented. So I think from a possession standpoint, you'd much rather have Sanders uh, in cash games. And like I said, if you played our four o'clock slates, you just had Sanders in, in those games because he was butting up against cash game play, DraftKings, and he was just he was like five hundred too much on a on a day where you can mostly go stars and scrubs and that was the only reason he didn't get there so my long winded answer say i love sanders going into week one and i just love it even more he's not going to do 10 of 11 every week but if double digit targets are going to be there and especially if they get game scripted where they're coming from behind a little bit more this is uh we could see him among the top 15 and overall targets by the season's end i and i don't feel like i'm being crazy by saying no that, that doesn't see that doesn't seem out of hand at all uh two other quarterbacks just super super quick and i mean maybe it wind up won't being or it won't wind up being quick based on your take on it but um your pal jimmy garoppolo Oof. terrible week one yeah. <laughs> 15 33 46% completion rate um might see if you can get a refund on the old Jimmy Garoppolo most passing. I don't think they're going to let. Me, I don't think Five Dimes is going to uh, let me out of that one. Uh, I don't think I can like. <laughs> uh, like I don't think they're going to offer. Say me. that it was a misclick. Yeah, well, they're, they're going to offer me like, hey, do you want to buy out now? Like, I don't think. I think they're like, well, that's money. They've already spent that money. Um, like here's my <laughs> here's, here's my thought on Garoppolo. I it was a terrible game. Uh, so that is that is there's no question about it. He it was a very bad matchup on the road against Minnesota. It's one of the top defenses in football. Uh, mm-hmm. Marquise Goodwin got hurt r- almost right away in the game, and so he was already down a receiver. I became less um, bullish on Garoppolo the second McKinnon went down. I like I put that I, I wrote that article and put that uh, bet in when they were fully healthy. When McKinnon went down, I instantly wish I could have gotten it back because I just thought it was such a knock to their offense that I. It was obvious that teams were now going to be just not have to focus on the running back's position really at all between Alfred Morris and Matt Breida. And so I I guess I guess what I would say is if I if that if I had written that article one week later or you know, like whenever McKinnon got hurt, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even have done it. So um that's kind of my True. thought on Garoppolo. And I think that He's he he's not going to be worse than he was in week one. It's again, it's a terrible matchup. Minnesota is so good on defense, right? They have just top rated quarterbacks. No, you're right. um, and losing Goodwin did come back, but losing Goodwin for like half the game really hurt them. So while he's so here's the point. I'm not changing his projection at all. 
right for right now. I'd already downguided him um, when McKinnon got hurt, and I'm not changing it from that. Like, I'm not bringing it down even more based on this game. I think we're still probably in the range of realistic on Garoppolo because I think there was some contextual things that kind of held him back in the first game. Yeah, I mean, just a couple other notable, terrible players. Uh, Tyrod, Tygod, new situation, dog dog poop. I almost cursed on the podcast for the first time. Uh, 15 out of 40. I just got so disgusted when I thought 15 out of 40. Well, weather was uh, a concern. Ben was bad, too. I, like, the the weather was, a, the wind made it really hard to throw there, and it's still Taylor. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Baker Mayfield in a couple weeks here. Um, he was so inefficient. But what do you make of the Landry thing? Because Landry had a ton of targets. So um, Yeah, was- I like Landry. He's, he's on my list. Um, the fact that Landry converted 7 out of 15, you know, for for a guy. So if you take away Landry's targets, then Tyrod all of a sudden is uh, like 8 out of 25. Um, not a, not incredible there. Uh, I, I like Landry going forward. I think we've seen Cleveland sustain sort of a wide receiver one when it's been a possession guy in the past. And you could see him, you know, you could see him to continue to put up numbers. A couple other, like, but I don't, I don't, I mean, spending too much time on Cleveland's probably not the super efficient use of time. Right. What about Deshaun Watson? He's a guy that people were dreaming on. Big comeback season. Terrible again. 17 out of 34, 176 yards. We worried about Watson. Are we, I mean, certainly you probably don't want to pay 9,000 for the guy. Nah. New England schemed him out of anything he was going to be able to do because they basically did what we said in the game by game preview, which was to say they double covered DeAndre Hopkins the entire game. Yeah. They, uh, Will Fuller was ruled out right before the game started, so that he, they were already down a receiver. Uh, so now they're running out there with a double covered DeAndre Hopkins plus like a Bruce Ellington, uh, Ryan Griffin mashup with. A running back situation that I've haven't liked since week three of last year in Lamar Miller, right? So like I, I it's it's sure. a Watson problem for sure, and they have a big time what I would think personnel problem for him as well. Like if other teams are going to take the blueprint of oh just stick everyone on Hopkins and just make everyone else kill you, these guys aren't going to kill you. I mean Patriots are really smart right. like that. If ever if other people look at that game plan and that's going to be the mo going forward, I'd be very I would be concerned about Watson, and I'm really not changing his projection because. New England's very smart. There are a lot of other teams that are very dumb, and you will just see a game where he has 16 targets to Hopkins that completes you know four you know 13 of them or something like that for a huge game. So not a guy I'm changing. I had already brought him down a little bit because coming back and nothing he did makes you want to bring him back up. You know, <laughs> like I, I think that um, I'm not, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna change him and lower him anymore just after that first week because I already was just a little bearish on what he what we could reasonably expect from him. Cool, cool. I mean, yeah, week one, definitely don't want to overreact too much, but I think there are definitely some notable situations to keep an eye on. Well, here's, uh, here's, I'm going to overreact to The list one. goes on. There's actually a lot of the guys that, you know, names that you would recognize that, you know, like Mariota is another guy, cash game questionable, uh, 16 total attempts, you know. He got hurt too. Guys. Like he, he, Blaine Gabbert came in. I might, Mariota might just be out this week. He's, he's actually totally done now because Delaney Walker's out for the season. So they are down his number one pass catcher. Well, yeah, and, Gabbert was also garbage too. I mean, yeah. Okay. Let's go in the running back. So we're going to start, season. we could probably talk forever here. Okay. Two guys that I do want to overreact to possibly. Uh, James Conner. So James Conner led all players yeah. in usage this week. Uh, it wasn't even particularly close. Now he did have some weather things that helped him because they, um, you know, it was very hard to throw the ball in Cleveland during Week One. But we've seen this from the, the Steelers before. Is like they have a running back and that's their running back. Like nobody else plays. Like when they yep. when it's Le'Veon Bell, it's Le'Veon Bell. When it was D'Angelo Williams, it was it was him. Now it's Connor. Like they brought in, they had one other guy attempt to rush uh, Switzer, and that was that was it. Like. This guy touched the ball like 40 times yeah. or something like that. Um, I wrote in my overreaction that he was going to see a pretty sizable price increase relative to what he started out, which was at the minimum. 
and it was still going to be so way too cheap assuming bell is still out are you with me on this like i think he's he's still the best running back value i don't think it's even close for week two and seven thousand on Fanduel, and i think people are going to be scared because people this gets into people's head they i think oh he's 5500 look at he he's so much more expensive now dude this guy should be if you he should be like an 8500 running back like they and but and we have history on this this is not just Oh, it's Leonard Fournette's out. What are they going to do? Chris Ivory, is he the guy? No, this is not that kind of situation. Yeah. Well, this I mean, is... we literally saw D'Angelo Williams, who's just like... That's what I mean. The actual out of the NFL one week, and then like come in and have 150-yard games. They don't have another guy. <laughs> they're not, they're, they, they, they showed it. They're not bringing another guy. They're not going to spell him. He's the guy. He's young. Run him into the ground. Um, mm-hmm. 7,000. I mean, is this like a cash game lock for me? If someone was... To, you know, I guess the a short of Bell. But why would you... I mean, Bell could come back right now. I'm not even sure there'd be, even be in a rush to bring him into the fold. Like, I don't know... And by the way, Bell's not coming back because this this thing looks like it's completely broken. Am I crazy? Am I? I'm so bullish on. No. He's going to need to be the eight thousand as long as the eight, maybe even higher as long as the matchups are there. And by the way, this is a great matchup this week. I'm going to write about it in the cash games. Are we? Are you on the same page with me as Connor? Absolutely. I think you know, thirty one rushing attempts, six targets through the air. That's for a seven thousand dollar running back. It's ridiculous. He's just simply way, way, way too cheap. And I think you'll see another at least 10% price jump after this week. So you just play him this week. Everyone's going to do it. Everyone played him I'm last not, week. And no, they didn't. Great. Here's the um, thing. You know what's crazy? They didn't play. They, they did. 25% in of cash. people in cash games didn't play him. 25%. That's the rake plot. It's double the rake. Like it's, it, it's no, in, they, they, but that's still basically everyone, right? I mean, going into week one, you've got so much casual money. And that casual money kind of tails off as the season goes along. I, I think you're going to see... I put a percentage on what you think his ownership will be at 7,000 on FanDuel. I, I think he'll be... More than 40% on. Oh, yeah. I think it'll be like 60%. It'll be way too low. Uh, like, it'll just be, it'll just, yeah, it's just right. another one of these situations. The, the next closest guy in terms of overall touches in week one is actually the next guy on the list. So we agree on Connor. So Connor mm-hmm. had 37 t- total touches between, I'm, I'm calling that uh, rushing attempts plus targets. You have a guess who the second closest guy was? Just out of running backs? Yep. Well, it's not all players, but yeah, running backs because they just touched oh, well, the ball. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, hmm. You're not going to guess. Adrian, oh, I, I think I do actually know. Adrian Peterson. You got it. Adrian Peterson. Yeah. 29. Well, I, saw, I saw he had 27 carries or 25 carries. 26 20. carries yeah. and three targets. Split the difference. Um, I, do you think one... <laughs> okay, what are your thoughts on Peterson? I'll, I'm going to couch my opinion here for a second. What are your thoughts here on Peterson going into week two? Uh, I mean, you'd love to see the... the usage in the offense first of all um and for me it's basically a price play like he he did absolutely nothing i mean not absolutely nothing he was totally pedestrian with the touches that he did get he's got a great matchup with indy uh to get a goal line carry or two i don't know seems like a fine play it probably i don't don't expect him to go out there and give you 190 yards and three touchdowns or whatever but if he's less than 7,000 on FanDuel right now that doesn't seem like a crazy stab to take yeah i don't want any part of it like this guy he if, if you look back at his last two years worth of game logs, um, he would have good games, and the next week he just would be just would totally disappear. Now, is it some of a chicken egg? Like some of his matchup problems, like he just ran into bad defenses the next week. Um, and maybe I'm not doing a good job of figuring out that like he has good quarterback play last year as opposed to what he had in Arizona. Like I'm going to consider Alex Smith. Just he's a very efficient passer, and they can get the ball downfield. And they do have a matchup against Indianapolis. And that guy's just so old and has so many miles on it. Is it unreasonable? Is it reasonable to expect that he can just like bounce back on a week to week basis where he just touched the ball like thirty times in a game? I, I I don't know if I'm reading too much into that or not. Um maybe I got burned on the Peterson thing a couple times last year and I'm that's sticking in my mind. And 
I don't know. I don't want to bring him into like the elite usage kind of guy, like carry guy um, that you know for some of these other guys. Even though he showed it in week one, like I mean, how if we want to, like, we walked into week one having him at. I'll just give the number. We had him at eleven carries, two targets. I, how much higher do we want to push that number up? It probably needs to come up a little bit, and I'm not sure. I want to take it to like fourteen. I don't think you, you can't. I think you can use. I think you can take him to fourteen. I think eleven. 11 is, is just simply too low. I don't know what exactly the right number is, but I think you want to take him up into like the 14 to 16 touch range. Uh, we, I mean, just a totally new team. I think all we know about how the Washington wants to use him can be based on week one. And given the week one, they gave him the ball or tried to give him the ball 29 times. I think you have to assume that that's a big part of their plan going forward. You know, like again, the, the other thing I like to compare it against is what about the other guys? And you did see eight touches out of Chris Thompson and Rob Kelly, to say nothing of the eight carries that Alex Smith had. So, yeah, Washington ran the ball just in general a lot more than they're going to run the ball normally just because they jumped out to that huge lead over Arizona in the second quarter. So I think you probably take team attempts down. I mean, at least probably like 10 20% for the average going forward. But that still is going to leave him with, you know, if you do, I mean, do you assume that he's going to get... 75 percent of the carries for this team or do you not because uh, if he's yeah. going to get 75 percent of the carries like he's going to get 15 carries in a game. yeah and, and we're going to be in a weird spot here because we talk about you know what running backs are in great when you look at things going into a week where do you want to find running backs you want to find them as home favorites he's a minus five and a half home favorite against a Colts team that just let you know just let Mixon basically run all over him in the second half um so mm-hmm. this is going to be a tough one i don't love it because I'm just very spooked on the age and the recovery process, and maybe that's just me speaking out of turn because I don't totally understand uh, what's happening. The last guy uh, that won the. I don't know. Up. By the way, one last thing on Peterson, he he did look a little bit explosive too, right? Like he <laughs> his two receptions, he ran one off for 52 yards, the other yep. one for 18 yards. Like he's got he's still got playmaking ability. I don't know. I, you're talking me into it. The more you try to make a case against him, the more I'm into playing. Him. <laughs> oh man, I can see that. This is the situation where I can see that we're going to be talking about this Sunday morning, and this is going to be something that something hinges on, and I'm going to. Not, I'm just going to feel completely awful about it, I think. And if the numbers get there, the numbers get there, and I'll go with it. But, oof, man, it's Adrian Peterson. Last guy uh, I maybe overreacted to, Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey's stock jumped up a ton in the offseason when it looked like he was going to be sort of that bell cow kind of rusher for Carolina. That really did not materialize even in the slightest in week one in a game where they it really should have because – not should have, like, like they – they got away from their plan, but if that had was going to be their plan, this would have been the game where it would have happened because they were winning early. Um, the game was very slow paced. It looked like they were completely willing to grind it out against the Cowboys, and he finished with ten carries. Uh, now the targets were still there. I was never really worried about the targets in the passing game, uh, but Cam basically turned into their running back. He ran thirteen times. Uh, C.J. Anderson came in for seven. We were we were maybe two bullish on McCaffrey's overall touches specifically in the running game I had him as a easily like a you know mid-teens kind of carries is it safe to lower him after one week or do we want to kind of stay the course with what we thought was going to originally happen uh, going into the season well we want to lower him a little bit for sure I think you know for starters we've seen Carolina do this in the past where like they'll give Cam a bunch of carries, but then they remember, like, oh, yeah, our whole season hinges on this guy being on the field, so Mm -hmm. he just can't carry the ball 13 times a game. Uh, So, you know, you figure that Cam will give back probably at least five of those carries to the running back, but it's a full-on committee right now. I mean, McCaffrey, 10 carries, and then the combination of Anderson, Moore, and Arma have nine carries, and that is not what you want to see from a guy that you thought would be the bell cow back. Um, You know, if he's going to get 50% of the carries, the running back carries in the future, 
you can't count on him for more than like 11 or 12 carries a game, I wouldn't think. And that's going to probably take him out of cash game territory for us. Oh, yeah. The snaps were there. He was on the field a lot. You know, he played, you know, only 10 snaps, only off the field were 10 offensive snaps for off the total. So definitely there on because the, they lined him up at wide receiver enough. Um, but they ran the run pass option so much with Cam that Cam just ended up keeping the ball himself to the point where if that's going to be part of their scheme, then you just can't. You just yeah. I think we probably were a little bit. I don't think overboard because I think it was. The, I think the process was correct on McCaffrey, and it just. It, I, I saw kind of all I needed to know from week one that that he's. They're not just gonna turn and hand the hand him ball off to him 19 times a game. It's just that's just simply not gonna right. be the plan. If, if like I said, if any game was gonna be the one, this was gonna be it, and they didn't do it. He fumbled inside the goal line on his first red zone touch too, so that probably didn't help his, his stock at all. Um, any other running backs that stand out to you? We're going we're going pretty long here. That's okay. I, I don't know if you want to get finish off with running back or and then get into some receivers. I know we we did touch on some of these guys when we talked about quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean generally, I think running back, it's like a lot more straightforward. And a little bit less interesting than <laughs> receiver to me because running backs are going to be so game script dependent. And a lot of these guys, I mean, we talked about Peterson already, but, you know, Carlos Hyde, Lamar Miller, like guys that you saw towards the top of the carry list for week one, they're not going to be there every single week. This is my general overview here. Peyton Barber's the same way because their teams are not good enough to yes. sustain them carrying the ball that often and so yeah occasionally in what we're seeing here like the note you want to make for yourself going forward is picking out weeks in the future where these running backs are favored like this is why I I think I do like Adrian Peterson for next week figure that they're going to get those carries those weeks and they're going to give it back in the weeks where they just fall down two touchdowns to New England and you know never going to handle the ball a single time so uh, that's that's my general overview I think a few of the one-off ones uh, Saquon Barkley got utterly bailed out by a 68-yard touchdown he was just completely bad on all every other one of his carries for the entire game so that's going to happen sometimes to young running backs but minus the 68 yard run uh the the other 17 carries were for 38 yards Mm -hmm. really really bad um and then after that it's just everything just looks kind of game script dependent to me and you know no huge takeaways that i'm I'm sitting with right now. I'd be really con- my last final thought on running back. I'd be very concerned if I was a David Johnson owner in uh, fantasy going forward because that team looked just about as bad as a team can look uh, for yeah. one week. I, again, I don't want to completely overreact, but it's not like they have the personnel. It's like so. It's like the Saints lose week one. You're like, oh man, Saints are screwed right now. They still have all those guys. Those guys still kind of went balls to the wall. Um, David Johnson, Stan Bradford looked even worse than I think any reasonable person could have expected. He look uh, they Larry Fitz, Larry Fitzgerald. Um, just looked like he was just have his head taken off across the middle a couple times. They couldn't even get the ball to Johnson. Um, the team is so bad that I'd be worried about his volume just on that standpoint. Like they're just not going to be in a situation where they can hand the ball to him a ton. They didn't line him up as a wide receiver enough. Um, so David Johnson's a guy that I'm guiding down a little bit because I just it's going to be. I don't know what, what's going to need to go right for them now. They get lucky too. They're huge underdogs to the Rams this week. So I mean, we get lucky and probably not having to make the decision um, on him. But I'd be, yep. I'd be very, very concerned if I was owning him in fantasy uh, going forward because I, he, I, there's almost no chance he's going to end up anywhere close to where he ended up uh, two seasons ago. Any wide receiver thoughts? Like I said, we did touch on a lot of these guys when we talked about quarterback. Yeah, as we're going through, I mean, the, the big thing I'm keeping an eye on, as always, is wide receivers in these new situations. So, you know, looking at Sanders, looking at Mike Evans, we already talked about Jarvis Landry. Uh, two guys that uh, we didn't go too deep on. Um, well, one is Larry Fitzgerald. It was reassuring to me to see him get 10 targets for seven, or seven catches on 10 targets for 76 yards. Seems like he'll be, 
you know, a reliable source of targets going forward one way or the other. And that's, you know, unsurprising. And he seems like kind of the quintessential guy that Sam Bradford would want to hook up with. So I do like that situation going forward. I'm curious to know what you think about the Ravens situation, because, you know, we were like, that was one of the teams that we talked about in our intro to this week, where we were basically like, you know, somebody's got to get all these new targets. And then, of course, what happened was, Everybody got all the targets. Well, they were winning. Oh, so here's the thing. So this is so that's a good one to bring up. Um, and maybe we'll just end it on this, and then we'll get we'll get into something more. Of the I'm realizing we can get a lot a lot more into this uh, when we do a game by game breakdown at the end of the week, where we just kind of look at every team and talk in their situation. Some of these sure. those thoughts are going to overlap here. Uh, you cannot take anything away from that Ravens game. They were winning by so much uh, early on that they just didn't. They basically just were able to bring in the B team. They didn't need to do anything, right? Like, um, they were just crushing Buffalo to the point where it was like, let's get the starters kind of out of here. Like, yeah, it was twenty six nothing in halftime. That's Buffalo. what I mean. Like Lamar Jackson Nathan was getting Peter throws. And company weren't really inspiring any great. Company. They didn't need the throw. Like Lamar, like I said, they brought in Lamar Jackson just to let some of those packages to kind of see what they had. Um, they now, still did throw, right? I mean, Flacco still had thirty four attempts. That's not nothing. Yeah, it's not nothing. Um, and I'm just like not making much of the game. I, like the game was just so okay. out of hand that I don't know what you can make. One thing you can make something of is that Kenneth Dixon did get hurt, and I think he might be out for the season. So that actually cuts down their running back. Because Alex Collins, I mean, hilariously, the team wins by 40. Collins is the guy I really liked in GPP. The guy, I mean, luckily got a touchdown. Otherwise, that game was, he was looking at like less than two fantasy points if he doesn't scamper that one touchdown in. For a game, if you know, if your team's going to win by 40, um, and completely shot the other team. It's like you just lock in the starting running back usually, and that really didn't end up being the case for Collins. Yeah, he had the fourth fourth most running yards on the team. That's what I mean. I mean, hilarious. I, like the the Bills. My goodness, to be a Bills fan, the it just it just couldn't be worse. But um, I it probably it, it does help him that Dixon's going to be out, and I just don't think we can take a single thing away from that first game. I, there's okay. just it was it was so out of the realm of what's going to happen to them on a week to week basis. I'm not changing a single thing except for getting Dixon out of there and really not redistributing it all that much. And I'm going to take a wait-and-see approach on it going forward. All right, we're going to be back on Thursday talking some cash game plays, which we're going to get into writing uh, this morning. And then we'll be up Thursday. And then Friday we'll be around for the game-by-game breakdown uh, where we kind of take a re-look at some of these situations. News always drops up over the course of the week, injuries and whatnot that do change our opinions going forward. Um, We're from DailyFantasySportsRankings.com, DFSR.com slash NFL. We'll get you started on that free three-day trial. So please go check that out. Uh, Free, I think it's still free for seven days right now, which will carry you through week two. Um, yep, this is the very, we're in celebration. We are extending that through only today. And only today. Okay. Only today. And then as of tomorrow morning, when you wake up, you will see, unfortunately, that it will go back to being a shorter trial. There I don't know go, exactly buddy. how short yet, but three or four days. That's, okay. That's what I'm talking about. DFSR.com slash NFL would you get you started. So go check that out. Don't sleep. Don't uh, sleep late on that free offer. Okay, buddy, don't I'll talk sleep. to you again on Thursday. Don't talk to you again Thursday when we talk some cash gameplays for week two. All right, man. At Napa, save up to $10 on a pair of Rain-X Latitude Wiper Blades, plus get Rain-X Glass Cleaner for free. It's a deal so good, you've got to see it to believe it. That's a vision joke. And with up to 10 bucks off Rain-X Latitude Wipers plus free Rain-X Glass Cleaner, you'll be able to see almost everything. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores, while supplies last. Offer ends 9 19 Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... 
Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.